Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and welcome to the third episode of our special Brews News Live recorded at BrewCon 2018 and proudly presented by Bintani. This week we do something a little bit different on the show. We chat with Jason Prolt, CEO and head breeder at the Select Botanicals Group. Now we've chatted with Jason on the show before and it was one of our highest traffic podcasts. And so in preparation for this episode, I spoke with a couple of brewers, including Bolter's Scott Hargrave, to find out what a brewer would like to hear us talk about with a hop grower. Scott described a lunch he'd had with Jason the day before, and he did it with such enthusiasm that I decided that rather than me have the conversation with Jason that Scott might want to hear, I would turn the mic over to Scott so he could have the conversation that he wanted to hear. I also roped in Van Diemen Brewing's Will Tatchell, hit record, and this is what happened. Enjoy the conversation. One thing that was really cool during some of our chats, Jason, I'm just going to say this up the front, is every time I asked you a question, you answered it. And while you're answering it, I was thinking of the next consecutive three questions. And before you finish the first question, you'd answer those as well. So <laughs> you've got an awful lot of awful lot of skill talking to boneheads like me. And uh, thanks very much for having a chat and uh, being here, but also like opening opening your mind to and your experience to all of us down here we really really appreciate it mate uh, appreciate me invited down here and the opportunity i do see it as a big opportunity because uh part of the reason why i can uh, i may be answering those questions as they come about you know before you get the chance to answer them is uh, we we have the shared passion you know you guys have your uh, your art your your craft and your beer and uh i guess i look at hops the same way um you know we've I'm a fourth generation hop grower, so our family is just, just what we do. It's all you know. So when you have that passion, and you love what you do. I guess that's a that's a product of it. So um, you mentioned yesterday uh, when you presented at uh, BrewCon um, the relationship between brewers and farmers, and that how that um, has constantly strengthened, and what Scotty and I garner out of it, and and what you obviously get out of it and stuff. Can you can you tell us a bit more about uh, about how that relationship? and how that strengthening of relationships sort of benefits you from a, from a hop-growing point of view? You, you really can't understate the importance of that. Uh, simply, look, if you look back, if you go back uh, years ago, um, where the hop industry used to be, there was no relationship between the hop grower and the brewer. Um, you know, if you go back, you know, 20 years, 30 years, um, and as a result, we there was no interaction there's no face-to-face -face. there was no we we couldn't really quantify the importance of our product to beer it was just we were just farmers it's just what we did and so you know flash forward to to now we always kind of joke around the farm you know during harvest for example we'll have anywhere from uh, uh you know 100 to 200 brewers come through and, and tour the farm during harvest interact with us talk about what they're after look you know talk about quality and what that means to them and uh you know, it seems like a a, a a lot of effort or a burden while we're, you know, in this busy time. But, man, I'd, I'd sure take that over, you know, 10, 20 years ago when nobody even gave a shit that we existed out there. You know, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And so 
So the, the, the interaction, what the end result has been is we're now concerned about this. We're concerned about what's in this can right here. And we want to make sure we're providing you guys with the best quality hops. And we actually have that interaction that allows that to, that, that to happen. So there, there's something personal there. And so quality is not just like a personal goal of ours. It's actually something that, that we, uh, we're going to put enough, enough to suggest that um, whilst the product you're using is a commodity, that you have a vested interest in what's, what's being presented by brewers and, and, mm -hmm. and that say is now greater than what it's ever been? I think that's the key point is uh, as a grower, I don't want to try to just survive in a commodity market. I want to thrive in partnerships with brewers. And I think that's the key point. If we're focused in on quality and we're focused in on, in, a, in on a special product, it's no longer a commodity. We have a means for uh, a sustainable living, and we're providing you guys with something that allows you to create a special product. And I think that's the key to that relationship is that, that decommodification. You know, it, 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 it's, it's uh, meaningful on so many different levels. You know, yeah. and, and, uh, Absolutely. I, I, I agree 100%. And, and having had the, the pleasure of... Uh, sort of being able to spend a bit of time with over the last couple of days, it's, it's ever so important now that, that we're cementing those relationships, you know. Um, from uh, our personal perspective here at Bolter, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's absolutely crucial now that I know where all these lovely hops I've been using for years are, are coming from and to, to meet people with just as much passion as we have. And as we said uh, just a, a little while ago off air, you know, it's, it's really gratifying to me to be able to, to speak to the guys like yourself and, and, and have both of us together in the one room where, you know, I, I consider my beers my babies and my babies are full of your babies. And it's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's just great to going with this, It's just great to close that loop. <laughs> it's all above yeah. board. We're professionals here. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a sign of the times and... And, you know, the great march forward that craft beer's been able to, to make, that, that it's, it's well beyond, you know, brewers who think they're the guys who carry the can and have all the passion and, and put in the hard work without realising brewers are, in one sense, just one part of the stream, you know, and uh, that, that starts all the way uh, at the front end with what you guys are doing and, and people who are committed to take on Mother Nature and work with her, I suppose, to, to allow us to then... Um, pass that ball on as well to the end consumer. And I, th I think we touched on it yesterday with um, the brewers and growers where beer is essentially an agricultural product. It really is. Um, yeah. And I know for us at Van Diemen, like, we're, we're now producing beers that are fully grown on farm. So yeah. one of the most enjoyable parts of my year is when we sow barley. And unfortunately, it was Monday, Tuesday this week when I was up here. For you, um, what's the most rewarding component of either the, the growing, the farming, the, um, the, the relationships, the, whether it's the trade component um, or whether it's as simply as a, as a quality beer in hand. If you take it down to its just very base level, farming's in your blood. You know, if you've been doing this for four generations, it, it's not about uh, the market. It's not about making, you know, money. It's not the economics behind it. It's it's being out in the field. It's being that, having that connection to the soil, to those plants. Um, you, you just you just feel it. And so you know, like I look at you know, my father, uh, the bulk of his farming career, um, he didn't have craft beer. He didn't have you know the the relationships we have now. 
and he went through some very tough times and yet he just did it because he loved it you know and I I am fortunate enough that my career has straddled both ends of that the the uh, the hard times when when farming when we were just barely scraping by to now to where we're actually able to reinvest and do some great things on the farm and uh, and and have these relationships we have now that bring a whole nother dynamic to it but at the end of the day you know it's all about you know the soil it's all about uh, you know as my grandfather would have put it the best fertilizer is a farmer's footprints in the field it's all about putting those footprints in the field being out there having that uh, feeling not just not just knowing that connection but feeling that connection between water soil and and uh, and ultimately beer I mean that's that's a that's a big deal you know it's something meaningful you, you get up in the morning knowing that you're doing something that you're passionate about and that's, that's and, and with that with that connection between the farmer and the land which is just you know part of humanity uh, mm-hmm. right from the get-go um, I'm assuming that, that you and your family are one of a bunch of committed passionate long-term multi-generational farmers in that area is is I'm assuming that's a that's part of the componentry of why hops are, come from your part of the world is so good is because there's 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 passion steeped in you know well certainly that's a big part of it right i mean yeah. we're, we're fourth generation and most of the families around us are you know fourth fifth even up to sixth generation and we've interacted with these families over those generations and so it's also about community yeah you know and that, that that's a that's a big deal you know you start looking around and and you know your neighbors you know uh, the people that have that shared, uh, the shared problems, the shared successes and shared victories. Uh, that's, 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 uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, and then now that we've been able to layer on top of that, something that, um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've got these relationships with the brewer, you know, this brewing industry that, that in, in relative terms is young, but at the same time, as you guys were saying earlier, that, you know, that it, it's all tied to agriculture. It's tied to what we do. We're all entrance, you know, definitely uh, uh, tied together pretty tightly in that regard. And so, you know, I keyed in on the, the presentation yesterday. It's all, you know, there's relationships are key. It's it's uh, it's not just uh, a piece of our success. I think that, that could probably define it as well. Yeah. So. Do you see where where the beer industry's gone and continuing to sort of go in the states and uh, what we're now seeing here in Australia and do you see that progression and that growth uh, and improvement? Uh, staying ahead of that is difficult, but do you do you perceive that's going to continue for you as a grower, and not necessarily on an acreage grown, but that the developments? I mean, and some of the hops that you showcased yesterday are—I uh, can't wait to use them at some point. But yeah. do you do you enjoy that? Is that going to happen? Continue to happen? I I, I sure hope so. You know, I think if we continue to innovate on our end and continue to pursue our craft and, 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 and do things better on our end, it's going to provide you guys opportunities. That's what it's really all about. And so, yeah, I, I think it will. Yep. I think it will. I don't think we're, we're, uh, we're ever going to go back to the way it was. Yep. You know, I, there is a new normal. And, uh, and uh, you know, I get especially excited. Uh, you know, as we've seen U.S. craft beer mature. It's still a great industry, but it's at a different level, you know. And I come here to to Australia, and I, I see where you guys are at, and I, I, it reminds me of where we were a few years ago. 
And that's that's pretty exciting, you know. That's uh, I, so yeah. I think I think we're going to continue down that path. I don't see it changing. Uh, as we're all making great strides towards better beer and more sustainability, and, and knowing where our beers come from, and and kind of have some idea where they might be headed. Um, research is is that a uh, is that a definable part of 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 your your planning for your business that you know you're you'll have a certain amount. Uh, a budget that you need to spend every year or a certain amount of planning that this year I'm going to focus on, you know, a, a particular uh, issue or, or, uh, or, you know, go down the rabbit hole and, and say, well, you know, why is this particular characteristic coming out? What can we learn more about? Or, or you know, is, yeah. is uh, something like Keel and Vaughan's presentation today um, about hop creep, you know? Um, have you guys done research into stuff like that, you know? Uh, you know that that R and D component uh, is always obviously well. It's 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 part of our culture with the breeding. Obviously, trying to be innovative with what we come out with. Uh, if you start looking at specific, uh, uh, specifically how hops impact beer, yeah, it's absolutely a, very important to us because we want to have an understanding of that. Um, and in reality, we should be the experts on that, right? We yeah. should we should be able to provide you guys with solutions. That's what that should be our job. And. Uh, you know, as, uh, talking specifically about the top, the talk on hop creep. Um, actually, we are participating in a, in a research project with Tom Shellhammer's group this year to, for example, uh, look at potential the potential of uh, higher temperatures in drying to break down those enzymes and uh, decrease the enzyme- enzymatic activity of hops. Um, do we know if it's going to work? I don't. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know, and I don't want to steal Tom's thunder because. You know, that, I think it's, it has the potential. It's uh, his grad student, Scott LaFontaine. But uh, I think it's uh, things like that. Yeah, it, we, we're absolutely supporting that, and we do a lot of that, whether it be on the the processing side and the ultimate uh, getting the end product to you guys, the breeding side, or, or in between in terms of the agronomics uh, and uh, the R&D on that side. So. And, and as uh, as the demand grows ever higher for, um, for hops and whether where the countries outside of the US and, and the growing markets here in Australia and Europe around the world maybe soak up, you know, some of that capacity. Do you feel the pressure? Are you going to run out of land at Yakima, you know, out of the <laughs> the golden lands, you know? We'll, Could be a good you know, problem to have, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you can be a victim of your own success. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, no, I think, uh, I don't see a danger in that. No, I don't see a danger in us running out of capacity. I think... You know, we talk about what are the, the risks right now. If things continue to expand and we continue to, to ramp up, either we will respond or, you know, our neighbors will respond or, or other regions will respond and, and increase their production. Um, the biggest risk for us is is, uh, is the ability to get a crop picked. You know, we can get we can find land. Right. I don't think that's a, a big problem. It's, uh, it's getting the facilities in place to make sure that land or the, those hops get picked. And that's a big risk. That's a big financial risk for us to say, yeah, we're going to take that next step. You know, um, our facility, you know, has been in, uh, basically built from the ground up just over the last, uh, since 2012. And before that, the previous major investment we made on the farm was from 1980. So, you know, in my mind, the, the shock to me isn't that we have these great, beautiful new facilities. It's A... It took us from 1980 until 2012 to actually be able to do that, um, which is a sign of the times. But B, you know, if we uh, uh, if we want to expand again, 
we have to make that, and we're already maxed out. We've already maxed those facilities out. These beautiful, big, massive facilities are maxed out. We're going to have to rebuild that again two times over. And there's millions of dollars of investment that goes into a facility you're only going to use for one month a year. Is, is, that, is that the biggest challenge? Is, a, is that forecasting and that um, predicting the future? It's, it's one of the biggest challenges, yeah. I would say that's, that's, one of the, that's all about risk mitigation, you know, and every business faces it. You guys are facing it. Uh, I think that's, that, that's another place where uh, brewing and farming are very similar. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, at a brewery, you don't say, I'm going to expand 5% and add 5% capacity to your facilities. You're going to invest, and it's going to be a major, you're, you're going to make sure you invest enough that it's a major expansion. Maybe it's 50%, maybe it's 100%. We're kind of under the same limitations with farming, right, with hops in, in specific, because we have the, uh, the, we have to have the picking capacity. And so for our farm, for us to increase even, uh, really even just a little bit now, we're going to have to make that decision to add, say, another full picking machine. Because, uh, but that picking machine will be set up for 600 acres. So it's chicken and egg. Do you add the acres first or do you add the picking capacity? You have to have the picking capacity to, to, to do it. So that's kind of where we're at. Yep. You know, I mean, that, that's, it's tough. It's, uh, uh, that, that's, that's a risk. That's a risk question that we have to answer. And that's where... You know, I, I, I can't overstate that importance of that relationship that I keep talking about, you know, that we have to know what's going on in brewing and have a really clear understanding so that we don't take that take on that risk and then it buries us because we, we got it wrong, you know. Have you, have you seen that occur on, on neighboring farms or um, interstate not, or something where, not, not where, so that, where they've taken on that risk and it's been too much of a burden? Not, not in recent years yeah. because I think that, that there's been enough growth. Um, I think what worries me is you see it, you, we have seen it at the brewing level and all of that trickles down, right? I mean, we're not, we're not immune to that. And if we're seeing uh, our customers expand and then suffer from making that investment, and again, it's not everybody, and a lot of it's uh, maybe some bad decisions or some bad forecasting. But you know, you you see that it does make you think twice about taking that next step. It's like, do we want to take that next step now, or it, would it be more prudent to wait and see how things shake out? You know, after coming here, I, I, I now I feel pretty good about the way that global craft is looking and you know that we we have to look beyond just what our domestic market's doing but i mean i, I guess I, I kind of put back that question to you guys as well i mean uh, how confident do you see you, you got the same questions you have the same you know do we expand do we stay the same i mean uh that's you know i could put that that maybe question back to you guys uh, where do you see things going uh, and, think and, uh, i think i can only speak for uh well, you, us you, got a bit, you got a bit more expansion happening than me scotty <laughs> I guess we're a bit like you, Jason. We're at the moment we are compelled to expand, not because we've got these massive ambitions or you know we think we're conquering anything. It's just um, to fill capacity, you know, to fill demand yeah. for for the beer yeah. that's already out there. We could we could uh, we could probably have another bunch of tanks in and and still not make everybody happy, you know. Which uh, then you got to get over the like you do the the peaks and troughs of our summer and Christmas time which is incredibly stressful for every brewery in the country you know you again you you're, you're running on all cylinders you're, everything's absolutely flat out there's no there's no room for a, a, a down week or missed brews or anything like that right. so um, I guess we're a lot like you in that respect that yeah we have to build in 
excess capacity as early as we possibly can because mm -hmm. it doesn't take very long before you fill that anyway and you're still you know trying to trying to supply beer that you just can't make yet and um, you know it's a wonderful that's a wonderful problem, but it is still very stressful. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, good. Good problems are still problems. Yeah, right? maybe I guess it's a sign <laughs> of a, of a healthy industry. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you have got a whirlwind forty eight hours ahead of you, sitting on a few planes and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what's at the uh, What's at the top of the list when you get back home in forty eight hours or so? Well, I miss my family. You know, uh, you know that that's obviously a, a get home and just see everybody. But uh, you know, right now we're we're. Uh, We've gotten through spring work, and spring is our busiest time on the hop farm. Uh, it's kind of a misperception that, that harvest is our craziest time. It's our longest hours probably, but it's 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 a little more routine. Spring is crazy. It's you know we're all over the place, and so we're kind of past that. And we've gotten the plants to a place where we need Mother Nature so to cooperate. So you're saying that you left at the busiest time? No, I left just after oh, the busiest I can't time. <laughs> um, now we got the plants where they need to be. Uh, you know, now it's just uh, monitoring pests, uh, making sure they got the fertility. Just make sure the plant has everything it needs to make it successfully to harvest. That's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, from our personal standpoint on Peralt Farms, we're we're picking blueberries right now, so I am missing a bit of that, and so I'm ready to get back and, and see that. But uh, there's always something going on around the farm. It's like a brewery, you know. There's always something going on. There's you know, never really, you know. You, you, Sometimes I, I kind of chuckle because we, we think harvest is crazy, but you guys are almost in like a harvest every week of the year, you know? I mean, it's, uh, you guys are always going. You're always having to produce. So True that. Yeah, we love the seasonality of what we do. That's part and parcel to it. And so. and so does your business, because you mentioned blueberries, so you've got other crops? On, on farm, we've got uh, hops are most of what we do. You know, 95% of what we do is, is hops, but we have a... Blueberries, uh, we have about 52 acres of organic blueberries, and then we have a, a herd of American bison, a buffalo. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's more of just a, a quality of life. Does that mean brisket? Uh, come on out to the farm. We'll, we'll see what we can do about some brisket. I'm um, certainly going to do that. <laughs> that is for sure. In this great craze of throwing hops left, right, and center in beers, do you ever think you guys could use those hops a bit, a bit more wisely or, you know... No, <laughs> you'd rather you like, say, like, oh, you know, like sometimes you just think, you know, are you guys being wasteful? Are you getting the best out of our hops? Are you getting the, you know, are you really doing this? Oh, like question the to the way? brewers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. Do you ever look know. back at, at what we do and go, you guys, you know, you don't I, need I to. I wouldn't have done that sort yeah. of thing. No. Yeah, or I would have done that different from Jace's point of view. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think from my standpoint, um, you know, I, I'm, I have a big respect for the art of what we collectively do. We all have our art, right? I mean, uh, well, I will say breeding and, and even farming is equal parts art and science. You know, who am I to question what a brewer does with, with the hops? It, it's his bottom line, not mine. You know, and so if, if it kind of depends on, on, on how that works, you know. Uh, but I no, I don't. I don't really question that. You know, a couple of years ago, it's funny because we gave a presentation at CBC. That's a fantastically diplomatic answer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we gave a presentation at CBC, and, you know, because at the time everyone was worried about, oh, we're not going to have enough acres to satisfy demand. It was a really big worry, and we talked about ways to be more efficient and, and more efficiently use your ops. But looking back on that, I you know sometimes I wonder if maybe that we were off track on that. I really don't. I don't really see it that way. I think that. 
I look at what brewers are doing with hops, it's amazing. And it's across the board, different uses and, and different volumes. And so, no, I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I don't know. I, uh, I think it's, uh, it's your art. You do what you want with it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll turn that on its head. Have you seen an improvement in what we do with hops over the years? Do you, oh, do you think we're actually doing better, not necessarily more oh, wasteful either? Yeah, are, yeah. We doing, are we doing this better than we used to? I've drank some beer here this, this, uh, this last couple of days. It tells me, oh, hell yeah, you know, doing it better. You know, it, it's, I look at the quality of beer that's being made right now and, and across the world, you know, but uh, particularly here, U.S., I mean, yeah, there's some amazing things being done with our hops, and, and it's, uh, that's pretty gratifying. That's pretty cool. Fourth generation, what's been the single biggest change? So you said you bridged that previous generation, like other than obviously the growth in the industry and the, and the, and the growth. In, from an on-farm point of view, what's been the biggest development, whether it be varietal change or technology or the way that you even manage the farm sort mm-hmm. of thing? Can you touch upon that? Oof, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of change. I think the biggest change, of course, has been, you know, our efforts to to bring some economic stability and develop this relationship. You know, my, my, it was my father, uh, uh, Mike Smith and, and Tom Carpenter years ago, uh, started, you know, an effort to, to connect directly with, with, uh, with brewers and not, not have to deal with, with the middleman all the time as a grower. That's important. That's a, that's a, that's a big thing that I think is, uh, resulted now in a, in a situation where we do have these direct connections we're sitting here having these conversations i think it, that that created a fundamental shift in the way we do business having these uh these direct conversations and direct connections that didn't exist back then not at all there was always a disconnect the entire industry is built about around uh, a disconnect between grower and brewer um, but we've seen that change and, and as a result though then you see all these downstream changes they're also major, you know, our focus on quality, our focus on sustainability, all these things. It, it's been a, it, you know, yeah, there's just a huge fundamental shift from where it was a few years ago. You know, I always uh, uh, give the example when I literally started my career in, in, in breeding and I would give tours of the breeding plots. I might visit with two to three brewers a year and it was all about alpha and efficiency. You know, now I, I'll visit with easy a couple hundred a year you know during the season and it's not about that at all it's about you know quality and interesting aromatics and things like that so yeah it's just completely night and day difference from where we were a few years ago you were telling me the yakima is sort of high and dry and that's why it works so is climate change um something you're seeing an impact on on what you do up there or is well, that's that's a tough question you know, it, it's, yeah, is uh, it too early? Because uh, it, you know, it's probably it? too early to tell for sure. Yeah. But certainly, you know, and this is just me anecdotally. I feel like, like when we get a period of time during the summer that's, you know, a very high temp. Those temp, those those periods of time seem to be longer now than they used to be, and I, it seems like, there's an impact, in certain varieties, um, whether or not we can measure that or not i you know i'm not really sure i think from that's where breeding comes in that's where i think it's really critical that from the breeding standpoint just like we're always looking for new aromatics i think we need to be always investigating potential future problems and uh and 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 setting those those potential winners aside that maybe they don't have a purpose now but maybe they are drought tolerant yeah you know 
and uh, and we we should probably be looking into that a little bit more in depth. But it's a tough question. It really is. I'm sorry, because we do <laughs> no, we we do think about it all the time though. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not it's not lost on us. So. I, I think what led me into it was when we were talking the other day, and we were talking about you know the logic of of the way hops work and how hop oils and how their genetics work and and being switching mechanisms for protection circuits. Mm-hmm. if you like, and, and dealing with the stress internal and external stresses of a plant and how they protect themselves. And I sort of then start to think, you know, if, if, if the climate does change, does that alter the way those, which, which genes are getting switched on and off as well? And then do you end up with something that's not as good as it was or potentially because of that, you might, you might get a plant that, that throws characters that you just had never seen before. Yeah. The lottery of Mother Nature, I guess. Well, exactly. That's, exactly that's, far, that's farming, isn't it? Yeah, that's 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 a big part of it, you know, and and that's a big part of breeding as well. And I think uh, as we go forward, we design not only plots to you know or, or identify germplasm that say maybe is more drought tolerant, for example, and we can design plots around that that, that you know yeah we're going to test specifically the uh, these these plants under drought tolerance. But but what's even more exciting is our efforts now. We're we're looking at uh, you know, markers, for example, molecular markers, where if we are identifying these plants that can do that, we can identify what those markers are that give us that, that, you know, I'm not saying we're there. There's a lot of this is hypothetical, but that's kind of the direction we see breeding going is, is looking at the underlying genetics of those plants, identifying those plants that maybe have either the traits, whether it has to do with environmental conditions or, or quality you know, parameters. And, uh, and uh, select for that uh, on a more molecular level because we don't know. You know, it's just like we talk, I talked to my talk, you know, we don't, 10 years ago we didn't know where things would be now. And uh, I don't know where things will be 10 years from now. But if I have a wide breadth of genetics within my program and an open mind with regard to selection and then the technical chops to back it up in terms of the technical tools, we could be prepared for those eventualities. And, uh, you know, that's... It's a, it's a challenge, but it's we're we're up for it. How do you think you'll look back on this part of time now, or where that your farm is and where the industry is, both in Australia and the US, in ten years' time? Another tough question. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, I, we're, we're smart men, Scotty, and I. I I'm hoping I'm hoping that I look back and, uh, you know, when I when I when I work with my my colleagues and my team, and I, I always talk about the new normal we're trying to create. You know, something different that, uh, you know, a more sustainable industry that uh, isn't just about uh, uh, this generation. Well, I mean, we're a fourth generation business. You know, I want to see it last for another four generations. We're not just about today. And so I'm, I'm hoping, uh, being a, the optimist, optimistic person that I am, that I'm hoping that, you know, 10 years from now, I'm looking back going, yeah, we, we did. We created that new normal. We created a situation that uh, is sustainable for every we created enough value, and, and, and everyone respects that value chain enough to where we created uh, a situation where, yeah, we, we can that, be sustainable. Does that, um, I mean, you, you touched upon it then, does that drive decision-making process now with regard to that long-term view? So particularly given the time investment that you put into varieties and stuff, mm-hmm. does that sustainability, does that decision-making for the future weigh into a, a breeding selection or a... 
or an acreage increase or even like a, a, a picking component or something? Yeah. Like, does, the, the, How much does that weigh in the decision-making yeah. process? Yeah, for me personally and, and what I try to, to introduce to the, the everyone I work with is, yes, it weighs into every decision we make. Because if we can create a sustainable situation for hop growers, we've created a sustainable situation for our brewers. If we've actually added the value we claim to add, then... Um, then we should see that and that's what it's all about that's everything we do everything we do i'm really interested in this the genetics and the this these responses to stress and protection systems and that we've we've talked about a a little bit before jason um this is going to sound a bit odd but are you ever like intentionally mean to a plant to to stress it on purpose and and see if you're actually gonna get something yeah, change. Not, I, know, I know it's not like you can necessarily uh, with you, uh, you know, you, you can change what the weather's going to be like, but but that you might find a a plot of land that normally would be too dry or the soil's too shallow or whatever, and you find a variety that you know what this mongrel might turn into a into a dove if I if I put it over here and be a bit mean to it. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that as a breeder. Uh, you know, we're just uh, by nature maybe a little bit sadistic. You know, <laughs> we're uh, you know, we, yeah, we certainly want to put put the pressure on the plants, make sure that we're selecting, make sure there's strength in our selection, and, and uh, yeah, sometimes you, you do have to do that. You know, it's like I joked yesterday. We we throw away as a breeder, I throw away 99.999 percent of my life's work. So, you know, I, the rest of the, it's pretty good though. <laughs> from that standpoint, yeah. Uh, uh, to keep me from being depressed, I guess I have to be a little bit sadistic. You know? <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah, that's it's certainly. We, yeah, we do. We, you have to. It's just part of the process. I joke about it, but it, it is. Uh, that's just part of the selection process and making sure that you're. Uh, you've got a powerful selection. And selection in a breeding program, that is what it's all about. That is where your your power lies. Is is your ability to select. Your ability to to. Not just do it uh, on paper in the lab, but your ability to be out in the field and uh, and see things and identify things. And so, yeah, you got to be pretty harsh sometimes. And when you're when you're out there in the field, mm-hmm. um, out amongst Mother Nature at her finest, is is there one element that rides above all others? Like, is is it is it the quality of the soil? Is it the amount of rain you're going to get? Is it the aspect or, or the prevailing wind? Or is there any one thing that that overrides everything else when you, you're you looking to plant your plants? Like for selection or just... Yeah. yeah you know, I don't know. It's kind of... It's, it's more holistic than that. There, I, I can't really say that there's one thing that I would identify as being the uh, a single factor. But you're looking at a, a holistic, whole plant type of type of view um, and you're looking at where that plant is grown and so there's a lot of understanding that goes into that you know I, I, I would have to say you know it's probably similar to what you guys do when you're developing a recipe you know it's not it's not just throwing ingredients together it's it's also understanding the interaction of the timing and everything that goes into that uh, between the ingredients and so it's the same with, with, with growing hops and, or farming in general and selection during a breeding, you know, breeding program. You take all those things together and figure out, do I have something good? Do so I have something reproducible? Yeah, so there's no one thing that goes, that's just not going to work here. It's well, there's certain things. There's certain things I could say, yeah, that's not going to work. You know, whether it be a disease susceptibility or maybe a, a cone type or 
just simply low yield and it's not going to make it. Yeah, I can say, yep, it's it's not a it's a loser. But uh, but you know, as far as, as far as picking the winners, that's a little more complicated. Picking um, the losers is easy. <laughs> I know for relaxation, you're uh, you're a fisherman. Um, uh, yeah, Scotty, are you a fisherman as yet? Am I a fisherman? Are you a fisherman? Are you a fly fisherman? No. All right. Well, I reckon uh, both of us need to take it up. Yep. And I reckon uh, at some point in the future, we'll go over and visit this boat. And yeah, we, we can go hit the water. Yeah. The oh, yeah. Um, if it, if it, if it involves, is there beer in this? No, I reckon there might be a little There's bit. There's always beer involved, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jace, I'm up for it. Thank you very much for uh, for coming out to Australia for to um, give us all this information and knowledge. Um, um, it's invaluable. Um, you touched upon it with regards to relationships and stuff, and um, I know both of us are the better for, for having chatted with you. Um, and so thanks very much, mate. Very much uh, appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the hospitality. I appreciate the... Yeah, the friendships we've developed and uh, the great beers we've got to share. So, yeah, outstanding. Thank you very much, Jason. And um, just any of the brewers, particularly new brewers out here listening to this, help yourselves out, help help Jason and all the other uh, local hop growers and and brewers and certainly uh, the guys in the U.S. Think about how much you need to brew next year. Think about your forecast. Think about the hops that you're going to use again and again and again because uh, if, if, if you get in and, and make that effort, then that's the only way these guys can ensure there's enough hops for you because that's what I'm doing because I need enough hops for me. <laughs> yeah. That's great advice, great advice. Cheers, mate. Uh, cheers. And that was Jason Prolt with Scott Hargrave and Will Tatchell. And I thank Scott and Will for stepping in and having such a great and engaging conversation. We thank Bintani for helping us to take the show on the road and get to BrewCon 2018. It was a terrific opportunity to generate some great content for you, our listeners, and you'll see us out and about much more often thanks to our presenting partners like Bintani. If you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways yourselves. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find links on how to do that in the show notes. You can also review the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service, or even just give us a shout-out on your favourite social media platform, all of which helps other people to find out about the show. You can also tell us what you think about the show and what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letter writers will receive a Brews News bottle opener and our good friends at Beer Cartel sponsor our letter of the week. We will choose an email, a tweet or a comment each week and Beer Cartel will send the author a mixed six-pack plus a Brews News bottle opener. We thank Beer Cartel for all of their support. 